welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. This week is another story by author Jacob Stephen Moore. You may recognize Moore's name, and that's because this is the mind behind the much-discussed episode, Mr. Mackenzie. Moore's work has also previously appeared in Nightmare Sky, Summer Bludgeon, and Night Terrors, Volume 20. He lives in Columbus, Ohio. Follow him at Jacob Stephen Moore. Jacob is back with a titillating tale about a pair of teenage twins with quite the connection. This is You Won't Remember This. The following text was discovered in a Google document linked to the accounts of Joanne and Alma Jean Chesset, both aged 16. It is being logged as evidence in connection with the killings at 1881 Pelzance Drive in Cold Corners, Ohio, as well as the disappearances that followed, for official use only. This is for you, Alma. I'm at that all-night diner west of town. The one where they'll get you a pancake as big as your face. And all the servers sing along to whatever we played on the jukebox in the corner. The Chevy's toast, but my laptop's got enough juice for this. Enough to open our share dock. Enough to autosave. It's chilly here. This one old head cashier keeps eyeballing me, but I'll stay put for now. I almost kept on going, you know. Walking south on foot after the Chevy started pouring smoke. I could have made Bellefontaine before I gave up with sore feet. But I kept thinking back to that promise you made me in grade school. You know, like out of ginger snaps. Out by 16 or dead in this scene. The point wasn't ever to die. The point was that you'd never leave me behind. You kept that promise. I'm the one who's gone. It's got my stomach all scrambled now. Two hours apart, we were born. Straddling midnight like it was the roof of a house. I used to think about those two hours of life you got while I waited in the cramp of darkness. Did it feel like a lifetime between those moments? What hidden things did you learn? What secrets? Now I've got a secret of my own. A whole 24 hours. You'll never know. I think about that sometimes, too. Mostly, I think about how I can't find you inside my head anymore. There's a cavity where you'd fit. I tongue that hollow over and over like a missing tooth. All I taste is blood. But that's not what's got me scared. Not that, not the truck door, not the... Wet, chewing noises I heard from the other bedroom, deep 
in the midnight dark. I can't take the thought of you waking up. I mean really waking up. And not remembering any of it. That's worse than if you hadn't opened your eyes. So, this is yours. My one final testimony. For when you look up and I'm gone. Read it and come after me if that's what you want. I'll be right here. I've got nowhere else to go. I'll wait for you. We can be together. One last time. You and me got the Chevy running around the end of September. It's probably the last thing you really remember. You let me screw down the last lug nut under the hood and we turned the key together. And the sound of our whooping brought Dad out on the back porch. Of course we wanted to drive it then and there, but... No, not in that death heap, not after dark. And of course, he was right. So we didn't bitch too much. The truck wasn't seaworthy, but I still think he said it because he knew if we'd gotten behind the wheel, we'd never take our foot off the gas. So instead, we went in and ate Mom's baked ziti. But I could feel your whisper in the back of my skull. A desire like a stroking finger across my thoughts. Tonight, I heard you hum. I smiled around my fork and nodded. And that was all. 11, midnight, 1 a.m. You didn't shake me awake. You just stared across the dark bedroom until I felt the pressure of your eyes. We crept downstairs, giggles lodged in our throats. Then, in bare feet across the muddy backyard, no porch light, we found our way by touch and used your Zippo to watch the coin toss. Heads won out, and you slipped into the driver's seat. Your excitement buzzed in my skull, like a swarm of flying insects bumping against a lit street lamp. Silence for a moment. Then, you turned the key, and all our dreams roared to life. This you'll remember, too. The plan, our plan. The cosmic obsession that swallowed up every weekend and afternoon and school break two years running. Mom and Dad put their heads together and concluded, Of course the girls will stay close. Good ol' OSU's good enough for anybody. But it was Armistice College, down south, with the writing program I'd been drooling over. And you always knew what I wanted. So you made the announcement yourself. Dad bitched about the price a while, and Mom chewed lipstick over the distance. But I could already see the picture in your head of me under a bent neck lamp, writing about lives I'd pulled out of half-remembered magazine articles and daydreams and stardust ether, of you lying on a bright beach, turning bronze and getting whistled at by shirtless boys in aviator sunglasses. The two of us, far away from Ohio, 
far away from everything. I didn't need you to say it. Whatever makes you happy, Joe. Whatever you want. We go together or we don't go at all. But my heart almost burst when you said it anyway. But the plan needed wheels. So, the Chevy was our dream chariot. Rusted out over each wheel and with only one working taillight. But now, it ran. And you were behind the wheel, roaring out of the mud behind the farmhouse. Spraying up a sheet of dirt that made me stumble back, shrieking. Mom and Dad's bedroom light blazed on. But I was watching your taillights swing around to the main two-lane in front of the house. The tires screamed like something being born, and you tore away down between dark, empty crop fields, shrinking and shrinking. I think we're going to make it, Joe, I heard you whisper, just as close as if you were beside me. I think it's really going to happen for us this time. Then it did. And all at once. Tad came out in his pajamas and slippers, hollering what the hell we were doing at that hour. Then, simultaneously, somebody's tires screeched far off, and an 18-wheeler's horn bellowed in warning. Then, the sound of the smash, metal on metal on pavement. And against my skull, I felt your hot, whooping joy flash into sudden, soaking terror. Oma, I said, feeling out across the dark. Oma, come back. I felt something, like a small, flickering light just as suddenly it was all gone I took it for granted Alma the touch of your voice your shadow in my head our twin thing our shared a womb thing our giggly secret nobody but us thing it told you what I wanted whatever I was afraid to say even before I knew it so you'd say it first You'd open the doors that ever-tightening knot in my belly wouldn't let me open on my own. You let me share your life, every fright and revelry and thrill. You showed me roller coasters were safe after all, worth the stomach-sucking plunge, while I stayed safe on the ground. We kissed Moose Woodland together, me on the back porch swing, and you nestled against him on his family's John Deere. And when you tried a few buzzing sips of alcohol at that party in the park, we both wanted to hug the whole world to ourselves. It was always there, that umbilical link. Until it wasn't. They kept you in the coma a week. You could have woken up 24 hours after you wrecked, but there was swelling pushing against your brain, they said. Better to keep you dummied up with drugs, drooling like an animal pacified for transport. But you weren't going anywhere. You always looked the same on visits after school let out. 
Everybody says the same thing about people in comas. She looks like she's sleeping. She looks so peaceful. But you didn't. You looked like shit, Alma. If I showed you pictures, you'd agree. But the other thing people always say, that your brain's still active, even under all those layers of pharma. That was a crock. I saw the little line going bip, bip, bip on the monitor, and I still didn't buy in. I never felt anything from you. Not a twitch, not a tingle. And then, you woke up. Just a week after the crash, Mom nosed into my room, our room, without knocking. And she said with this wild kind of look, She's up. She's asking to see you. At first, I just blinked at her, and she had to repeat it a second time. How come? It's too early. Not supposed to be for another couple of days, right? But she just kind of danced in place like a jogger at a stoplight. I don't know, Joey Kangaroo. It's just some kind of miracle. The hospital room was a pile of bodies. Six of us crammed in. Me, Mom and Dad, plus you, under your white sheets. And two nurses gopping at you from the doorway. You were dozing when we came in. But when I squeezed up next to the bed, you sat up like Dracula. Suddenly, your arms were tight around my neck, and you were talking in my ear, words I paid no attention to at the time. And everyone else was shaking their heads and flashing big, silly grins. What a trooper you were. What a miracle, shaking off the drugs like that. What a brave, brave girl. I didn't think they'd actually discharge you. But a couple of signatures later, they wheeled you out front in a chair. So we brought you home. But even then, even around the dinner table, even in front of the TV in the den for Let the Right One In, followed up by the Lost Boys, I had to fake that hard plastic smile because when I scratched around for it even when I sent out my own broadcast you were nowhere I didn't feel your shadow I didn't feel anything this was October not worth mentioning but for one point coming later You went to sleep downstairs that night, in the guest bedroom, on the trundle bed, with the squeaky hinges. Our shared bedroom had never felt bigger. I kept reaching out, scratching the back of my own skull, trying to draw you out. But instead, the darkness swirled. I lay on my back, watching the ceiling fan spin and spin. Neither of us could ever sleep without that noise. I wondered how you were coping downstairs without it. Then I wondered how you'd stuck it out a week in slumberland in the hospital without that whir, without our shared dreams, without me. You won't remember this, Alma, but I cried, only a little. 
I still don't know why. But then, through the floor, I heard it. The sharp squeak of weight shifting on that trundle bed, coming down hard, and then relaxing. I heard you get up and tromp towards the stairs. I heard your feet on the stairs, coming up, slow, almost reluctant. Under that, Dad snored, the sound permeating the house. You stopped in front of our door, but you didn't come in. Joe. Your voice was a hoarse whisper. You wake. And I said, Yeah, of course. Like it was only natural. I didn't know what time it was. I missed you while I was asleep. You said. Did you miss me? You went on like you'd seen. Like it was before. Nothing's gonna change. Your voice shook. Coming from through the bedroom door. I promise you that. We'll get the Chevy fixed up again. We'll get it running. I almost got up. I almost went to the door. But some weight of shadow held me down. Kept me pressed down under the blankets like a huge flat hand. There were a hundred things I wanted to say to you. But I'd never had to say them before. You always knew without that. So instead, I called across the room. I thought you weren't supposed to climb stairs. I feel alright, you said. It's not bad, it's just... different. My ears pricked up. I sat forward on the bed. What's different? Alma! It feels so good, Joe. Different, but good. My head's kind of swimmy, but I'm getting used to it. It's getting better, too. It's getting better all the time. There was something wrong with your voice. It was heavier, somehow. The same sound, but distorted, like a guitar through a fuzz pedal. Like you were clenching your teeth. Whatever you want, whatever makes you happy, we'll be together. I promised you. I opened my mouth to reply, but again... Some invisible instinct stopped me. Your voice had sort of broken off in the middle of a word. I heard you breathing just on the other side of the door. I felt your weight lean against it, moving the latch of the knob slightly. I saw it turn in the dark, wiggling back and forth just a little. Then, the 
pressure on the wood relaxed, and I heard your feet moving away, the floorboards creaking under your feet. It's so screwed up, Alma. I keep thinking, if I'd gotten up, if I'd come out in the hall, maybe I could have turned this thing away. Maybe the whole world would have been different, like we always imagined. Maybe that's what you still wanted. Or some part of you. Some part of me still wants it too. But the night outside the diner windows is screaming cold and blacker than space. And yet I keep thinking I see moving shapes outside. I keep thinking I see your face. But I know deep down, I've got a little more time. Just enough. I got to sleep again. I don't know how long I was out, but I know when I woke up again, it was good and past midnight. I could feel it again, the pressure of your eyes. Only now I didn't know where you were. You weren't looking at me. You weren't even in the room with me. And then, you were. You came through the door. But the door didn't open. You won't remember because it wasn't you. Not really. Not the you we brought home from the hospital. You won't remember me looking at you. You won't remember your bare feet trailing a few inches above the shag carpet. You won't remember looking at me with eyes like dark shadows. The saddest eyes... You looked at me, and I felt it. The small scratching, tickling thing at the back of my head. Don't scream, Joe. I heard that feeling whisper, and I said, I won't. You knew it wasn't me, but you couldn't tell our parents why. I nodded. You were motionless in the air, and your lips didn't move. A full-score Halloween haunt. If you'd bobbed up and down, (laughs) I might have laughed. But even your hair didn't twitch. I don't know what to think. I thought something happened to you in the wreck. Something did. My skin got cold all over. I hugged the blankets to me. I felt like crying. I don't know how I managed to stop myself. Then you were... I'm sorry, Joe. But you woke up. You came home. I talked to you. You only looked at me with those infinite eyes. And slowly... Slowly... You shook your head. No, you didn't. Not really. Not in the way that matters. Then who is she? You didn't answer at first. 
from outside the door. I heard it again. Your footsteps outside my door, like you were pacing. I heard you, the other you, breathing deep and ragged. I asked again, Alma, who is that? Who's in our house? And you said, Something else got in. Spoken aloud, this might have ripped the scream from me. But in my head, in our secret twin language, it was only information. Expressionless data. So somehow, I kept calm. All I said was, What? got in. She's not like us, Joe, you said. She's impatient. She waited a long time. And she's hungry. She waited a week to fool the doctors. She's been hungry all that time. I almost asked the obvious question. Something stopped me. The look in your eyes, I guess. Or the part of my brain that didn't want to believe. She's not going to wait any longer, Joe. You said. I sat very still. The dark seemed to swirl around me. What do I do? The keys to the Chevy are on the kitchen table. It won't run, you know it won't. It'll get you far enough. Get to the truck. And don't stop until you can't go anymore. She's gonna be angry. She's not gonna want to let you go. I cocked my head at you. How do you know that? And for the first time, you smiled. I wouldn't want to let you go. I'd missed that smile. I hadn't realized for how long. Then a thought struck me. Mom and Dad, I should get them up, warn them. For a second, there was only silence on the airwaves. Your face didn't change, and you said, Go on and get up. I got here too late. She's almost... Your voice had been... Neutral before, far off like distant static. But now it trembled, and I felt a blast of such sadness and hate and despair come off you, like heat from an open stove door. She's almost finished with them by now, you said. I rose silently letting the blanket slip to the floor. We both knew where the creaky spots in the floor were. Our feet found the safe spots by instinct, sure-footed as deer. But now, I was making the trek to the bedroom door alone. I still felt like crying, but fear kept the tears down. In the darkness, the room seemed huge as an ocean, You waited by the door, 
still floating, motionless. I stopped with my hand on the knob. After this, I knew I didn't need to ask. And maybe I could feel the answer as well, coming off you like radiant heat. But I still said it. It needed to be spoken aloud. After this, I won't see you again, will I? Your dark window eyes said it all. I threw my arms around your glowing, nothing body, tears streaming down my face, but no sound came out of my mouth. I thought for only a second I could keep you there, hold you in the world with my arms. But when I opened my eyes again, you were gone. Only, you weren't. You were outside my door somewhere, in the dark, waiting. I teased the doorknob open, slipping out into the hall. It was a straight shot down to the kitchen. The stairway yawned like a dark gullet, but beyond I could see the faint glow from the kitchen's under-cabinet lighting. Safety. Escape. And yet, in the opposite direction. Our parents' bedroom door, standing ajar. I knew I shouldn't. You had warned me, the other you. But I crept forward, my feet sliding on the carpet. Closer. Closer. My heart was machine gun fire. Light from the hall bled into the dark inside the room but didn't penetrate. I saw nothing. Only, in a brief flash of moonlight from behind a curtain, I saw a smear of something red, something sticky and wet. I heard you breathing. I heard you chewing. Then I was taking the stairs, three at a time. The dark house swept by in a terrifying rush. I knew I was making too much noise. I knew you'd hear me, footfalls thundering in my mad flight. But I was too scared not to run. Besides, how could my feet drown out my heart? I was sure you'd hear that dread rhythm, like drums in the deep jungle. Under this, I heard you behind me. A scrabbling claws sound. A down-on-all-fours sound. But I made it to the kitchen and snatched the keys off the table and bust through the back door like all the monsters of my nightmares were sniffing at my heels. Across the backyard to the rusting hulk of the Chevy, bare feet plapping against soft mud. In a moment of blackout terror, I slipped, sliding in the muck. But I managed to keep a hold of the keys. In that moment, wiping mud out of my eyes and picking myself up, I heard you. I didn't have to look back. I didn't even have to open my eyes. You changed. Your breaths were ragged, just as hoarse as if your lungs were sandpaper. They were wet and bubbling like you were breathing through a film, 
like you were bleeding inside and swallowing the blood. They were huge and slow, closing the distance between us. I scrambled for the Chevy's driver door and made it inside. My hand thrust with the key as though it were a knife, blindly searching for the ignition. Anxiety clawed in my chest until... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Contact. I pushed the clutch. The truck coughed and shook like something dying. White hot panic. I turned the key again and again and again. And just when the Chevy finally shuddered to life, something heavy slammed against the passenger window. I heard a terrible crack, a scrabbling of claws. I didn't even look. I floored the gas, sending the mud spurting towards the sky. There was a monstrous shriek of metal bending and tearing. Then something heavy rolled under the front wheels. I made the main road screaming towards Bellefontaine. It wasn't until I was ten miles away that I felt the wind drying my cheeks. The passenger door was off. A long scrap of connecting metal shrieking against the road. You'd torn it off its hinges with your bare hands. Now, It's four in the morning, and my story, our story, is told. But it's not over. I understand enough to realize that. The Chevy made it this far. But whatever luck or magic kept it running to make it here is gone. And I'm cold. And I'm tired. And you're out there in the dark somewhere. Maybe you've had your fill. But maybe it's me you came back for. And you're coming. Quickly. On all fours like before. Sniffing me out. Your breathing as rough as tearing cardboard. I don't know which I hate more. Because I lied before. This is the last part I think you'll recall. After you went under the Chevy's wheels, I heard you one last time. The same words you'd whispered from your hospital bed, only it didn't feel like a flickering light. It was a war machine. A battering ram smashing my skull. We go together, you said. Or we don't go at all. Maybe you won't remember it. Maybe it only happened in my imagination. But when I hugged you, the white floating you, I felt the pressure of it. There was something solid there, if only for a second. You came back for me, once, all the way. Like you promised, like we promised each other. I don't need to tell you what I'm going to do. Maybe that's the curse of it. 
of this secret umbilical link-up. No privacy, no secret thoughts. But it never mattered before. Tell me, did you enjoy the solitude of those two lonely hours? Or were you always waiting for me to join the world? To come back to you? To come be whole again? Answer me this when I see you. It's flat out here. And there's a moon. Maybe I'll even see you coming. With the right kind of eyes, I might see you from a long ways off. I didn't even make it four hours, Alma. So here I come. Ready or not. Thanks for listening. Thank you again so much to my author this week, Jacob Stephen Moore. I wrote to Jacob to let them know that this story really, it felt like something I needed this week. I dipped into my archive, not my archives, but my little um, submissions folder, and something about this submission spoke to me. Again, I've told you, sometimes it takes me quite a while to get to these submissions because I have so many, and this one was just saying hello from my little inbox, and I'm so glad I did because, as you can see, it has to deal with loss and love, and it's something that means a lot to me lately. I mean, it always means a lot to me, but it really, it felt like something I needed this week. So thank you, Jacob. And this week I did do some baking. I baked some, they're, I think they're called (laughs) gooey chocolate butter cookies or gooey butter chocolate cookies. I can't remember exactly what they're called. They're fantastic. By the way, they're very easy. I will give you the recipe right now. Um, It is, you can honestly make them in any flavor. They're very easy. I always, I do chocolate just because I like chocolate a lot, but I have had friends and family who have made them in different flavors and they're fantastic as well. Um, Box of cake mix. I always use devil's food cake. Um, One stick of butter softened. One uh, thingy of... (laughs) cream cheese. Uh, what do you call it? You know, the, the pack, is it a stick of cream cheese? Uh, at least here in America, I don't know how that it's packaged anywhere else. So you'll have to look up sizes for that if you're not here, but, uh, one thingy of cream cheese, um, one egg and one teaspoon of vanilla. Yes. And they, that's it. You, you cream together the butter and cream cheese. Then you add your egg and vanilla and your cake mix You let it chill for two hours or less. If you're impatient like me, then you roll it into balls and then roll that into um, powdered sugar. That's right. Powdered sugar. Oh, quick tip, by the way, if you uh, just to keep your hands a little less sticky, uh, spray them with cooking spray before you start rolling the balls. Not a ton because you don't want it to affect the baking, but just light dusting, light spraying of cooking spray, or just kind of, if you don't have cooking spray, just take a, a flavorless oil and just kind of rub your hands with it before you start rolling. Um, bake them 350 for like 10 to 12 minutes. 
Uh, they're going to seem underbaked, but you want that because they're very soft cookies. And then when they're cool, you can sprinkle them with more powdered sugar. Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. <laughs> That's one of the few recipes I have fully memorized because it's so e- it's very easy. And also, um, oh, these are cookies, by the way. I've always noticed that are for some reason better the next day once they've been like in a baggie, like or like you put them in a container. The next day, they're always a little softer and better. I don't know. Uh, it could just be me. Uh, you might disagree. They they're really great, fresh out of the oven too, like hot out of the oven. Ugh, amazing. They're like fall apart amazing. Anyway, that's, (laughs) that's baking corner for the week. Um, also this week, what did I, what did I do? Um, oh, last weekend, I I already mentioned that I went to midsummer or no, sorry, season screamings, which was a blast. This week was a lot of meetings. (laughs) It was a lot of meetings, a lot of working on some other projects, trying to get some stuff off the ground. Um, trying to keep this just ball rolling so I can keep on doing this show as well. Yeah. So got a lot of stuff up in the air that is uh, going to come to fruition soon. And I'm really excited to tell you all about it. And yeah, this is going to be kind of a short ramble, I think this week, because I don't have much to say. I'm sorry. I just, again, this week was like a lot of meetings and I don't have a lot to say. Oh, you know what I just watched that I want everyone to watch is 1899 on Netflix, not sponsored, or maybe it is. Every once in a while, some sponsors pop up on the show that I'm like, oh, didn't realize. Um, (laughs) I wish it was because fantastic show. Fantastic. I can't even talk about it because honestly, there are so many twists that it's hard not to give spoilers, but just know it's if you were contemplating watching it, it's very good. I know a lot of people said they thought it was slow at first. I didn't find it slow, but I'm really fascinated by the like Edwardian era. Um, but if, if it feels slow, stick in there. It's very, very good. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for some horror to watch this weekend, 1899 on Netflix. And that's it. I won't keep you too long this week. Last week's episode was very long, but very enjoyable for me anyway. I really loved it. And I wanted to give you something a little newer this week. So I hope I did it justice. Um, Go get some sleep, drink your water and sweet dreams.